Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're on the Galapagos Islands of Ecuador with my new friend, Fernando Diaz of Quasar Expeditions. Fernando's family has been guiding visitors around the Galapagos Islands for 37 years. They specialize in unforgettable immersive experiences at each of the destinations they serve. In this episode, Fernando and I talk about a snorkeling with penguins, relaxing on white sand beaches of Española, and exploring the island of Genovesa, a collapsed caldera known as Bird Island. You hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting Ecuador, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide at Fernando's Tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Galapagos. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Fernando, welcome to the show. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I was so intrigued when you reached out to me uh, because this is a destination I've, I've heard so much about and uh, I've heard it's like almost like a magical place, uh, the Galapagos Islands, because there's so many animals and everything like that, but they, they've been there for so long and been kind of isolated from humans where they don't have fear of humans. So they actually, you can be like right next to an animal and it's, they're just doing their thing and they're, they're not afraid of you. They're not attacking you and everything like that. So it it just seems like such an amazing place. And it's almost like stepping into like a, a dream state. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, the number one reason why people go to the Galapagos is for these unexpected magical encounters with the wildlife that you just don't get anywhere else in the world. And it's precisely because of what you mentioned, the fact that animals in Galapagos never learn to fear humans. So it's not that Galapagos wildlife is different from anywhere in the world. It's actually how wildlife once was everywhere in the world before we you know, invaded their habitat or, or started hunting the animals. And so because these islands are removed from the continent and they received very little visitors or there was very little human presence for many, many years, this happened. And as a result, you know, today, at least in my mind, the Galapagos is one of the best places for adults and children like to get close to and interact with wildlife in the wild. So it's like an African safari, except none of the animals you know, see you as their dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I prefer to to arrive and leave with all ten of my fingers, right? <laughs> so, and that's one of the things. Like, you know, I have uh, two kids; they're eight and twelve. And when we travel, we we try to stop by different zoos and like learn about animals and educate them about their habitats and those types of things. And unfortunately, a lot of times, like yeah, like you said, like you're either on a, on a safari where like uh, okay, afraid of everything, uh, don't bite me, but also, or you're at a zoo where it's like you're separated by a moat or they're in a cage or behind glass. 
and you're not getting like the full experience. And but also on the flip side, because you are so close and you you can interact with the animals, how do you prevent like people from just being dumb, right? Like how do some people like they do different things? Like I've been to Yellowstone, right? And you hear the stories about people getting close to the bison and trying to take a selfie with them and then getting gored, you know. So how do you find that balance of educating them and experiencing and, and respecting their boundaries, but also staying safe and not interacting and, and interfering with their environment? So this is something, you know, that the Galapagos National Park has done extremely well from the very beginning. So, you know, Ecuador that owns the Galapagos Islands, it's a third world country. And there are several things that don't work the way they should, right? And um, But one of the things that does and has always worked really well is the Galapagos National Park. And so one of the rules of the Galapagos National Park is that you always have to be in the company of a certified national park guide whenever you're inside the park. So those situations, you know, where maybe somebody's driving around a park and they get too close to the wildlife, that doesn't happen in Galapagos because you always need to be accompanied by the guide. And while for us, you know, at, at Quasar, which is the company I work for, while our guides, some of the best ones have worked with us over 15 years, they remain employees of the Galapagos National Park. So they choose who they work with, but in the end, they owe respect and everything that they do is is because of the Galapagos National Park. So that really guarantees that people really pay attention, that they follow the rules, that they don't touch the animals. And that's why 20 years later, you'll come back to Galapagos and the wildlife will be essentially the same. It's because people are respecting these rules. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. It's like, uh, kind of like to summarize it, it's, it's like their loyalty is to the national park, but their paycheck comes from you. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. And now, like you mentioned that uh, the Galapagos are part of Ecuador. And so for people that aren't necessarily familiar, like you know, a lot of people have heard about of the Galapagos and, you know, honestly, I had to kind of go on Google and like, look at the map and, and see exactly where it's at. Can you kind of explain where Ecuador is, you know, on the continent as well as like where uh, the Galapagos are in relation to Ecuador? Yeah. So Ecuador is one of the smallest countries in South America. It's right south of Colombia, north of Peru. And the Galapagos Islands are located 600 miles off the coast of Ecuador. Now, there are no direct international flights to the Galapagos. So you need to first fly into mainland Ecuador to get there. And there are basically two international airports, one in the capital city of Quito, where, you know, my basically my, my whole family is from, and then the other one in the coastal city of Guayaquil. So Regardless of where you're coming from, there are direct international flights from the United States, from Europe, from Australia. And so you got to first make your way to the mainland and then take a domestic flight out to the island. So it's a, a multi-leg trip, but Ecuador is conveniently located right on the equator. So the distances to travel, regardless of where you're coming from anywhere in the world, are normally, you know, not, not that great, especially if traveling from the United States, you know, it's a short flight. Okay. Uh, and like you mentioned flying you know, into Ecuador with that, do we need a, a visa or your shot records or anything like that in order to be able to enter the country? No, most countries do not need a visa to enter Ecuador. Certainly the United States does not. And to go to the Galapagos, you don't need any sort of uh, vaccination. So that is not an issue. It's very easy. You can decide from one day to the next to go to Ecuador and the Galapagos. And basically all you have to do is pay 
a fee to enter the Galapagos National Park, which is $100 for adults and $50 for children under 11. Okay. All right. That, you know, that's reasonable. Obviously, you know, you got to pay the, the staff, you got to support the animals and, and everything like that. That's, that's totally reasonable. Now you're talking about fees and, and, and paying for things. Do we need cash when we come? You know, are credit cards accepted? And then also, do we need to convert into the local currency or, you know, can we use American dollars? Yep. So Ecuador is a dollarized economy. So that's the currency both in the mainland and in the Galapagos. So for Americans, that's very easy and it's very convenient. Now in Galapagos, they also take all major credit cards. The one thing that I would tell people is try not to come with too many $100 bills because that is one of the bills that has the most issues with counterfeit uh, money. So basically, if you bring, you know, 50, 20, you'll do better there, especially the smaller shops, they won't take the $100 bills. But other than that, with cash and credit cards, US dollars, you can get by. That and also, uh, you know, if everybody shows up with $100 bills, they're not going to, they're going to run out of change, right? Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> an issue. Ecuador is still, you know, relatively cheap in most places. So it's a lot of change if you pay with a $100 bill. So the recommendations obviously come with smaller denominations. Sure, sure. And then also, uh, you know, obviously, you know, say Americans are coming in down there. What's the language like? You know, is there a local language? Do people speak English? How do we interact with the people and obviously support the culture and everything else? Yeah, the native language in Ecuador and in the Galapagos is Spanish. However, because the tourism represents such a big part of the Ecuadorian economy, at least in the Galapagos, you can get by without speaking a word of English, you know, of Spanish, sorry. Everybody will un, will understand you and most of the places, you know, the hotels, the bars, the restaurants, aboard the cruise ships, they all speak English. And the same thing in the Galapagos, in Ecuador, you know, whether it's at the airport or hotels or, you know, in the old town, if you are traveling around, that won't be an issue. Where you will need to speak a little bit of Spanish to get by is if you go outside, like of Quito, to see the surrounding areas, like in maybe the Amazon or the Andes Highland. But today with Google Translate and the apps where you can directly translate, you'll easily be able to get by. Oh, perfect. Now, if you had uh, a couple phrases, maybe local, you know, I mean, even though there's Spanish, right, there's a little local dialects and sometimes local phrases that uh, are popular among, uh, among the people. Do you have a couple phrases along those lines? One phrase you definitely need to know is, ¿Dónde está el baño? <laughs> Where is the bathroom? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, and especially if you're not careful, um, you know, food poisoning can be an issue in places like like Ecuador. So we, we always recommend people who are coming from, especially the United States, avoid drinking juices or, or water or beverages with ice unless, you know, it's like a, at your hotel or aboard one of the cruise ships. But let's say you're having at a random restaurant there in the street, you know, avoid that. So knowing donde está el baño uh, can get you out of trouble. <laughs> That's like an after the fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, avoid the ice in the beginning. That way you don't have to worry about asking where the bathroom is. So uh, let's take a step back. Uh, say we fly from the U.S. into Quito. And then from there, we take a domestic flight to the Galapagos. From there, how do we get around I know that there's it's archipelago. There, there's multiple islands and everything like that. Like, so how do we get between the different islands, and how do we get around like the the cities that are on the islands? Yeah. So there are 
two ways to really see Galapagos. One is a hotel-based stay, which is basically there are 3% of the Galapagos islands are inhabited areas that are outside of the national park. And then 97% is part of the national park. So in these inhabited areas, you have towns like Puerto Ayora on Santa Cruz Island, Puerto Bacarizo on San Cristobal Island, and then, you know, Puerto Villamil on Isabella Island. And these port towns have hotels, restaurants, bars, um, you name it. You know, it's pretty much like going to, to the island, just staying at a hotel. Now, people do a lot of island hopping where you stay maybe two, three nights in one island and then, you know, take a fast boat to the other one and then stay two or three nights. So in a week, you could do like the three main port towns and see these islands. Now, the other way to see Galapagos, and this is the way we recommend, is actually taking a cruise. Because as you said before, you know, all this wildlife that has had millions of years to evolve is extremely different from one island to the next. Even if it's the same species, they evolve differently because of the different conditions in each island. So to really be able to see what made Galapagos famous, which is, you know, Darwin's theory of evolution, to see that at work, you need to go on a cruise because the cruise will take you to the far removed islands, the ones that are far from the port towns that can only be accessed on a liveaboard yacht or ship. So that's why, you know, I strongly recommend that if you are able to afford it because yes, cruises are more expensive than staying in a hotel. And if you have the time that you do a week-long cruise in the Galapagos, for me, that's the ideal way to see the Galapagos. Sure, sure. And then your cruises, for example, in the in this scenario, it's not a day cruise, you know, where you you take in the boat and out and then you come back uh, that evening. It's it's more like a like a cruise liner where you're actually on the boat and it takes you from from port to port, and then during the day you you're exploring and, and experiencing everything. Yeah, exactly. And so these are expedition cruises. So really the only time we are in port is at the beginning and at the end of the cruise. And then the rest of the week, people have literally no contact with civilization to the point that, you know, after a week, you get used to not seeing humans except the ones, you know, in your boat for so <laughs> long that it's kind of like shocking for people to, to go back to civilization when they need to depart. But that's really how it works. You know, you really travel from one island to the other at night you wake up at a different island maximize the hours that you're awake exploring the islands whether it's you know hiking kayaking on the dinghy or zodiac rides or basically snorkeling you spend all day doing these activities and they are very active cruises too you appreciate the siesta time that they give you uh, right after lunch because of how <laughs> early you wake up that's that's one thing with wildlife too and the same thing in africa wildlife is most active very early in the morning or late in the afternoon and so we do wake up early in the cruises to see the best that galapagos offers okay that makes a lot of sense let's kind of explore both options as far as that goes uh, say you say somebody wants to do the hotel experience are they mainly like local mom and pop type of hotels and airbnb type of situation or are there some of the major brands like hilton and marriott and those type of things most of the major brands are not present in Galapagos. Uh, Six Senses is about to open one, but they are one of the few like renowned brands. Most of them are local hotel brands, but there are, you know, within the local brands from one star to five star accommodations. But one thing to note is that Galapagos is an expensive destination, right? The islands are remote. You got to fly everything, you know, all the 
the food, for example, and fuel and everything needs to be flown from the continent. And so it is an expensive destination. So what I like to say is that you normally, from what you're used to paying in the mainland, you take out two stars and that's what you get for. So for example, the cost of a three-star hotel in the mainland is like a one-star in Galapagos. And so the five-star options do get very pricey. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that it's just the way it is in most remote areas. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And so if somebody's doing that hotel option, you're obviously working on your own schedule and that type of thing. And then if you are like wanting to island hop, then you would then book a like a, like a boat transport between the different islands. Is that how that works? Yeah, exactly. So... Many of the hotels, especially, you know, the four and five star categories, they have sort of like all inclusive packages where they will include like the different island tours. But then there are others, you know, that are bed and breakfast and you basically book your own daily tours. But then, yes, exactly. As as you said, you show up at uh, the main dock at um, any one of the port towns and you take these fast boats. It's two hours. So looking at a map, if you're on the central island of Santa Cruz in Puerto Yora, which is, you know, the capital of Galapagos and sort of like the main hub to get to Puerto Villamil on Isabela Island. It's about two hours. And the same thing on the other way to get to San Cristobal, it's another two hours. So these are not terribly long boat rides. It can get a bit choppy. And if you're prone to seasickness, you know, take some Dramamine or something like that. But yes, that's the way to get around. So that's, that's something really important to, to consider. Like, Looking at the two options, like the like a quasar boat like yours, uh, or uh, you know that kind of like that DIY option, right? So for people that like want to operate on their own schedule and DIY, like maybe that's a good option. But for people that just want to enjoy the wildlife and enjoy the experience and have somebody take care of everything for them, the cruise ship like yours is is a better option along those lines. And same thing, you know, if you're going that DIY option, you're maybe you are somebody that's prone to seasickness, you're going to hit that choppy you know, on that fast boat, it's, it's going to be going fast and it's going to be hitting, you're going to feel every wave because it's a, like a smaller boat versus you're on a cruise liner where it's, you're not feeling it as much, right? Because it's obviously a bigger boat. It's not being affected by the waves as much. Exactly. Yeah. One of the common mistakes that people make is, okay, you know, I really do get seasick. So I'm going to stay at a hotel in one of the port towns, but to get to the Galapagos national park, to any of the visitor sites around the port town, you have to take one of these small boats and they're let less seaworthy and they rock a lot more than the the bigger ships. So you can experience worse uh, symptoms or get more seasick on these day tours in the boats than you would by being on a liveaboard yacht. So I would just, you know, have people be careful with that part, at least if it's seasickness that you're worried about, definitely talk to the the cruise companies and talk to the hotels and, and let them know what the issue is because sometimes you won't avoid the seasickness part by staying in a hotel. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So obviously we're talking a lot about how to get there and what to do and everything like that. What are some of like the best experiences or, or what are some of like the experiences that people should really look forward to when they're hitting some of these different islands uh, as they're exploring, whether they're doing a DIY or doing like the kind of all exclusive, all inclusive options with like the excursion cruise? Yeah. So it depends on the activity, but for example, for people who really like scuba diving, if you are staying in Puerto Yora, going to scuba dive to Gordon Rocks is absolutely recommended. Now, it is recommended that you have advanced open water certification and, and not just the basic open water certification, just because there are a lot of currents and surge and Galapagos seas can 
get kind of rough. But the payoff is basically these schools of hammerhead sharks and these huge manta rays and, you know, pots of, of dolphins and seeing whales and things like that. It's it's amazing. And so that's the closest point to port, at least in my experience, that has some of the best scuba diving. Now, if you are into scuba diving and you want to do a full liveaboard trip in the Galapagos, then, you know, they'll take you to the northern islands of Wolf and Darwin, which are, you know, they're a sanctuary for sharks. And so there you see schools of, and I'm not lying, 500 sharks, for example, and you, you see the whale sharks. And so for scuba divers, Galapagos is absolutely a paradise. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. When you mentioned scuba, like I, I went to scuba school and everything like that, and I, I couldn't get below 20 feet. I just, I couldn't equalize my pressure and stuff like that. So like snorkeling is probably like a better option for me at this point. Obviously, snorkeling is also pretty wonderful. And from what I saw in some of the notes that you shared ahead of time, there's a lot of experiences for, for those of us that, that haven't quite got the certification for the for the scuba side yeah you know and snorkeling is so fantastic in galapagos that it even better than scuba diving in many destinations and so you can snorkel with penguins sea turtles you can still see sharks you know manta rays ton of tropical fish you name it in in galapagos there's every well even marine iguanas and what i recommend is that if you're staying at one of the hotels in the port towns, definitely venture off to the island of Isabella because that one has the best snorkeling sites around uh, port town. So you will be able to see much neater stuff underwater if you're staying on Isabella Island versus staying on Puerto Yora or Puerto Vaquerizo. So that is one recommendation. And definitely, you know, snorkeling is a highlight of any of these trips in our cruises, we get to snorkel twice a day, every single day. And, you know, believe it or not, people absolutely love the activity. It's the one where nobody stays on board, you know, nice. passes on the opportunity. It's definitely. Well, I, w- I will say this, like, you know, I, I've been swimming since my brother threw me in the pool when I was like four years old, four or five years old. I've been swimming nonstop since. And my kids like, love to swim, but they're still a little youngish, right? You know, maybe it's a little sketchy for them to, to swim in the open water and, and stuff like that. And my wife, she doesn't swim, right? Like she'll go in the water and, and relax and enjoy herself. So for people that, that aren't into swimming, but still want to be able to enjoy the experience and enjoy you know, seeing some of the animals and stuff like that, what types of things are there for them as far as like maybe different beaches or seeing you know, sea lions or other different things that, that aren't necessarily in the water? Yeah. So on a cruise, for example, if you don't want to do the snorkeling, you also have daily walks and hikes. There's sea kayaking on sit and top kayaks we have paddle boards and we have the zodiac rides where we explore you know shores and uh, mangrove estuaries and things like that Uh, so there are plenty of activities to do now i do recommend this and this just happened i'm glad you bring this up because my father-in-law for example came to galapagos with us it was his first time going to the galapagos and he does not swim well and he said you know i'll do all the activities except the snorkeling now, our crew members and our guys are very stubborn when it comes to this. They <laughs> they put him, put a wetsuit on him, put one of these life jackets that we provide that are special for snorkeling that really help you, you know, to stay buoyant and everything. In the end, it ended up being his favorite activity. He was snorkeling every day and he was so glad that we forced him to do that because otherwise he wouldn't have done it. And that really made the, the trip for him. And it's those type of situations, I think, you know, when, when you 
sort of get out of your comfort zone and you do maybe something that scares you, but at the end, you know, it ended up being his favorite activity and that's where transformational travel happens. So sure. Sometimes we need that little nudge, right? Yeah. If you're scared of snorkeling, definitely, you know, give it a try. You just have to have the right guide and the right team there to help you. Oh, absolutely. But, but also, I mean, again, as far as like outside the water as well, like, you know, it's like the beaches and, and those types and other animals that are outside of the, that aren't in the, the water. Like what are some of those experiences like, or what are some of like the, the great beaches that you're going to experience? Yeah. So yeah, beach life in Galapagos is fantastic. You know, there are beaches that have white sand, black sand, green sand, red and sand, red sand, and pink sand in the Galapagos, all with different mineral concentrations, which is what gives them the color. So that part is fantastic, just hanging out on the beach. And there are different animals in all the beaches. Sea lions, they are everywhere in Galapagos. The marine iguanas, they're also everywhere in all the beaches. The, you can see the sea turtles nesting at many of the beaches in Galapagos as well. So you want to go to a beautiful beach. You want this crystal clear water and you want to hang around, be lazy in the sun. Galapagos definitely offers that, both whether on a cruise or on a, you know, staying at a hotel just it's the island is full of beaches everywhere for sure and now it was just thanksgiving you know last week when we were right before we were recording this and everything and while we're there at at my sister-in-law's house we were watching like a bond movie and everything and i saw some photos and it seems like there's a couple spots that seem like they're almost like like straight out of the movies uh like one of them is over in uh genovesa yeah the genovesa is a collapsed caldera so it's a submerged volcanic crater you can only get there on a cruise, but the cruise is actually anchored inside the volcano crater. So there's an entrance now, and it's sort of it's sort of like a from a movie, like a secret submarine base, and you're surrounded by this volcanic crater, and it's like full of all the birds you can imagine. It is known as the island of birds just because there are so many. And it Genovese is also one of the farthest islands from the inhabited area, so it's also the one that has received the least impact from, you know, humans. And so wildlife there is extremely unique, but yes, the set, the setting there is absolutely crazy. That sounds amazing. Now uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. And one of the things I want to make sure we, we talk about is some of the local food. Obviously, you know, when you're traveling, experiencing the local cuisine is, is huge. And obviously based on its location, you know, you probably have like the most, the freshest seafood you're ever going to have in your life. But also, I'm sure there's some like local twists on the cuisine as well. So what are some of the things we should eat while we're there in, in the Galapagos? And also, what are a couple of the restaurants you recommend you know, enjoying while we're there? Yes. You know, you said it. Fish and, you know, seafood in general in Galapagos is absolutely amazing. The one thing just ask when, when you're at a restaurant, they have this sort of like stamp about, you know, sustainably sourced fish and seafood. So that's the only thing you should be careful with because you could end up eating, for example, a lobster when it's not lobster season. And, you know, the restaurant could get shut down as a tourist. You know, you can also get in trouble and things like that. But in general, anything that you try from the sea in Galapagos is absolutely amazing. But my favorites are, there's this, it's called the speckled scorpion fish. In Spanish, it's called the pez brujo. So the, the translation is the wizard fish. Um, it lives in the depths, very buttery, fantastic taste. I highly recommend it. Any preparation, you know, whether it's grilled or a ceviche, pez brujo is an absolute must. There's also sort of like a, like a snail called canchalagua 
that is you know very popular in the Galapagos and trying the ceviche of Canchalao is also fantastic. And then finally, there's a very specific type of lobster called the Galapagos spiny lobster that is also incredible. And so when it's in season, I definitely recommend that you try it. And outside of the sea, all the fruits that grow in the Galapagos, which are oranges, uh, guava, tangerines, you have very little variety, right? Because these are introduced species. So the obviously the, the Galapagos National Park doesn't just let you plant anything, but try Galapagos oranges. It'll change your perception of what you know a great orange juice tastes like for sure. That's amazing. Now, as far as a, a couple of restaurants, do you have a couple of recommendations for that? Yeah, I like two in particular, both in Puerto Llora. One is called The Rock, and that one just serves absolutely everything from you know pizza to steaks and seafood. The, the setting is great and nice location. And then the other one is Angermeyer Point. Um, the great thing about this one is right at the edge of Academy Bay. So you get to eat or you know have drinks looking at the bay with all the ships anchored there and the you know all the movement that happens in these busy bays in Galapagos. I definitely like both restaurants, not only for the food, but for the setting. And when it comes to the the setting and the views, especially Angermeyer Point is a favorite. Well, fantastic. Well, Fernando, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing all those amazing tips for the Galapagos. I've I've always wanted to go there. I've heard so, so many amazing things. And like now it's like moving up my on my bucket list for sure. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visit the Galapagos, where should they go and what should they eat? I think if you only have time for one meal, definitely Angermeyer Point because you'll get not only a great setting, a great taste of what Galapagos, a local Galapagos hotel is like, the views, and then the one food, the pez brujo, the scorpion fish, and for me, grilled. You try that and you'll be in heaven in Galapagos because of the views, the setting, and the food. It's just highly recommend. That's fantastic. Now, I know in doing my research that the business, uh, you know, Quasar Expeditions is actually something uh, that's been in the family for a couple generations now. And you've been coming you know, to Galapagos for, for many, many years, practically your entire life. And so I'm sure you've had a, many amazing experiences. Like, what's one of the most memorable? Yeah. So I was basically raised in, in the Galapagos. It was, you know, the, the company was started by my parents in 1986. I was born in 1982. So ever since I was around four years old, I've been able to, you know, the islands have been a part of my life. And I think one of the, the neatest experiences that I've ever had, and it's, it's raw, uh, but it's definitely, you know, wildlife. It's just a massive attack of orcas with um, to a school of sunfish. I don't know if you've ever seen these sunfish, but they're like these really big round fish, like big, the size of a table, right? And they don't have a a tail fin. They only have the the two side fins. And the orcas were eating these guys like they were cookies. And so it was like kind of like a scene from, you know, a, a documentary or a National Geographic documentary. And we were seeing this live in front of us. And it was just fantastic. It was really seeing nature and its course, you know, doing its thing and, and seeing really the Galapagos and I think the world's top ocean predator just in action, in total action. And I, I had seen orcas, you know, in, in SeaWorld, but this was <laughs> quite different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of shatters your your childhood a little bit, like when you think of like, you know, 
Shamu and like doing the tricks and stuff like that. Then it's like, okay, this is like what reality is versus them in a in a pool with a, with the humans and flipping them around and everything else. Exactly, and and they're so smart, and you can tell, you know, when they're hunting, how smart they are. I'm sure, you know, people have seen those videos of orcas hunting in groups, and you know, they talk to each other underwater, and we saw that it, it was very evident that they were communicating. Wow, how interesting that was. Well, after witnessing that, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think we all need a little bit of a drink. So, um, <laughs> well, where's the happiest happy hour in the Galapagos? The happiest ap- happy hour in Galapagos is in a bar called La Panga. Also, uh, you know, in Academy Bay in Puerto Yora, it's been there for forever. You know, ever since I, w- I was little, I would go there for the Virgin Pina Coladas and now the ones with a lot of alcohol in them. <laughs> but it's the happiest place. Great music great views and also great people there. Oh, fantastic. Uh, now, one of the things I always do whenever I, I travel is check out the local pizza. Like, Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in the Galapagos? It's at The Rock, where I mentioned you know before one of my favorite restaurants. They have this wood oven and the pizza that comes out of there is fantastic. And the pepperoni is actually, there's this crazy Italian guy that lives in the highlands of Santa Cruz. He makes his own pepperoni there and sells it to this pizzeria. And you can have, you know, the best pepperoni pizza in all of Galapagos, definitely at The Rock. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Especially like, you know, that handcrafted, you know, specialty. I mean, that's, that's just like what, what, like what your gastronomy is like all made about, right? Like it's like having that, that unique experience you can't find anyplace else. Now, obviously, like you said, that you've been, you've been running, uh, been involved in this business making all these amazing memories for, for travelers for, you know, over 35 years. And then obviously also you travel a lot as well. Right. And so with all that, like what is one of your best travel tips? At least, you know, today my it's, and more than a tip, it's, it's kind of like a recommendation that people as travelers have to do their job of doing a little bit of homework and figuring out who they book with and really talking to whether it's the hotel or the tour company and finding out, you know, what they're doing for the destination or for the environment, you'll feel a lot better after you travel, knowing your dollars go a longer way. And so it's a kind of like, like voting, right? We have a responsibility of who we choose in the elections. The same thing when you travel, uh, you have a responsibility to choose people who are, you know, doing good for the destinations, for the places. So if there's kind of like a tip or a recommendations, really take that little, extra time to talk to these companies or these hotels and ask them about their sustainability agenda or what they do for the local communities. And you'll be happy to book better experiences that are, that give back, you know, that are better for planet in general. Uh, no, absolutely. And, and sometimes we, we lose sight of the fact that like our dollars are, are, are an incredible, like you said, vote essentially for the businesses that, that thrive and the businesses that don't. And so using our wallet to help kind of steer things in one direction or the other is a powerful tool that a lot of times people just don't really realize. So that, that's a, that's an excellent tip. Fernando, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and you know, sharing all these amazing tips. And it's been great getting to know you and, and learn about your business. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I'm the marketing director for this family owned company, Quasar Expeditions that, as I mentioned before, was started by my parents almost four decades ago. And we do Cruises in the Galapagos Islands, that is our specialty. We also run these trips in Southern Patagonia. But for anybody, you know, who's interested in visiting the Galapagos aboard a cruise, which is our recommended way of seeing Darwin's Archipelago, just visit us on our website, 
quasarex.com. It's spelled Q-U-A-S-A-R-E-X.com. And there you can pretty much take a look at all the product offering that we have. You might check out any specials that we have, whether it's for early in the year or for the fall or the summer. All those specials are always listed there. And um, if you do social media, for example, our, our handles are at, at Quasar EX for Instagram and at Quasar Expeditions for Facebook. Well, fantastic. Well, we'll definitely include links to all those in the show notes. Again, Fernando, it's been a pleasure talking to you and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Lee. It's been a pleasure. What an awesome conversation with Fernando. Visiting the Galapagos Islands and having so many unique experiences sounds like a dream come true. I'd love to take my family there to enjoy it for ourselves. You can find all the links we talked about and our one-page guide of Fernando's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Galapagos. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash Acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we speak with my good friend Josh Kalkanis of theinvestingcircle.com. In this episode, Josh and I talk about seeing the holiday decorations on Broughton Street, visiting the Tybee Island Lighthouse, and searching for the House of Matahari Speakeasy. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at wetravelthere or email me at wetravelthere.com forward slash contact to share your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. <laughs>